Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, how's it going, guys? It's going good. Yeah? Yeah. Hot day. Are you here to arrest me? That depends who you're loyal to. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm aligned with the rebel forces here, I think. That's going to be an issue. It's going to be a little bit of an issue today, I think. Um, so, we are here with members of... The 501st Legion. Correct. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, Everglades Squad. Yes, sir. So I am uh, MTB14056. It's my TKID. We'll get into that a bit later. Okay. Um, and I am the squad leader for Everglades Squad. Everglades Squad covers all of South Florida. Uh, I oversee all our operations as far as event coordination goes, our relationship with Lucasfilm, uh, and the various venues we visit, such as the hospitals and libraries, which we'll also talk a bit more about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, sure. I'll let... Sure. My name is TK61601. I'm Thomas Hagen. I joined back in uh, June, so my one-year anniversary is coming up here. I'm just a member, but I've enjoyed it a lot. We do a lot of great things, as Eric here is going to cover on. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. This is um, – so we're going to get a um, – first of all, I want to welcome you guys to um, Connected by Water, presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Um, and I want to thank you guys for coming up. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for coming here so early and getting ready like this. You know, it really, sure. really does mean a lot that you guys uh, got all dressed up in your, in your attire and your gear. And I'm going to call it gear. It's not even attire. I mean, this is like some serious stuff that you guys have uh, going on here. And, um, you know, we have a mutual friend in, in Howard, um, Correct. that, you know, really kind of exposed me to everything that you guys do. And it's cool, man, like the, just the level that you guys take this to. Um, so, you know, do you want to, um, 
How long do you want to stand in the corner there? Do you want to do it for a little while, or you, or you want to sit, or you want to kind of get out of that as soon as you can? So Maybe for another five minutes or so. All right, cool. Yeah. Then we'll work on that. So as you know, this is a very casual atmosphere show, so let your hair down and, and, and let loose. Tell, tell us your life story. Um, so tell me a little bit about, like, just to get started, so people know right off the bat, what's your organization, like, all about? What's the complete name? Like, introduce yourself. Sure. So... Uh, as I was saying, the Everglades Squad is a unit of the 501st Legion. The 501st Legion is a category uh, 501, category 7 nonprofit social club. Mm-hmm. We're an international organization operating in about 67 countries. Uh, as of yesterday's date, we have about 14,090 members in those 67 countries. 14,000? Correct. Wow. Yes. Um, our unit is organized into garrisons and squads, and I'll explain the intricacies of that a bit later if it uh, comes about, but... Um, for Everglades squad, all you need to know is we're a part of the Florida garrison, which is the statewide. There's four squads in Florida. Uh, you got the Tampa Bay squad on the West central, you got Mikazi in East central, uh, in the Northeast, you have squad seven mm-hmm. in the panhandle, you have Parjai, and in South Florida, you have Everglades squad. Uh, so Everglades squad in particular has, uh, 97 active members in its service, uh, which means our members to stay active need to troop once a year, which mm-hmm. is coming to an event like this in costume. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we are, as a nonprofit, we attend all of our events for free. We never charge for any of our events. We attend both private and public events. Mm-hmm. For private events, um, one of our missions is to contribute, and we contribute to a variety of causes by encouraging donations from private event organizers to a charity of their choosing in our name mm-hmm. in lieu of any sort of payment. And for public events like fundraising walks, um, uh, charity galas, what have you. Um, we just support our presence and try to raise awareness and use the brand recognition of Star Wars to contribute to those funds indirectly. That's really cool. You know, and I've been to one of your events before that you guys held here um, in town. Um, I can't remember what the event was, but I sure as heck remember you guys being there. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you had you know all everyone like you know Darth Vader and uh, I think someone was you know was Kylo Ren and you know all all the characters uh, from Star Wars and you guys are people within your organization assigned to a certain character like I'm a scout trooper or I'm a stormtrooper or I'm Darth Vader like you have people assigned to those characters or no sir so the 501st being a nonprofit all of its members are volunteer including the leadership um, there are no paid positions, and as volunteers, our members retain all the rights to choose what costume they want to wear, uh, what atten- events they want to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stipulations with costumes is that, depending on what costume they choose, they have to regard reference what's called a costume reference library. And those are available to the public online. Um, for example, the Scout Trooper. There are a couple different versions, but mine is uh, the one you see in 1983, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So if you were to search uh, Scout Trooper, CRL, Return of the Jedi, or ROTJ, be one of the first internet results. And the way that works is if a member wants to do a costume, they go to the CRL, and they what the CRL is is a costume reference library. So it consists of photos and text descriptions of the costume and all its parts. So, for instance, at the very top of the page, you'll have a photo of the costume, what it should look like, and then for the rest of the page, it'll be a breakdown of each item, the helmet, uh, the forearm guard, the jumpsuit, and it'll have all the criteria of what it should look like with both pictures and text. Now, are you you guys making your own 
suits and putting that into the library? I mean, the, you can only access the library, obviously, if you're a member of... No, no. no? So it's available publicly. So if you go on any internet browser, you just type the costume name, mm-hmm. and then pretty much the letter is CRL. It'll be one of the first results. Uh, aspiring members are to reference that when they build their costumes. Okay. So it's not mandated or mandatory that you build your costume. It can be a combination of commissions and building, depending on your skill level. For Boba Fett here, this is one of the other costumes that I do. Um, that one for me was a mix of commission, uh, commissioning other artists, and building it myself. Uh, rather modifying uh, pieces I had achieved. For this secondhand. helmet here? For the helmet and the entire costume. Okay. So um, what, did, what did you build and what did you commission on this? So for the helmet, the helmet for Boba Fett is very intricate. Of all the costumes in the 501st. This has always been my favorite character. Yeah, right yeah no, me too. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of easily the most expensive and complicated ones. For a Boba Fett, ESB, uh, Empire Strikes Back, you're probably looking at five to $6,000. Mm-hmm. Um, for Boba Fett, the helmet was, I had nothing to do with that in the way of assembling it. Um, but other pieces like the gauntlets, his uh, things that he wears, fires the rockets from, uh, and whip cords. Those were uh, given to me, already painted, and then I modified it by, for instance, moving the flame unit, the flamethrower on his wrist up Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, And so regardless of whatever costume, Boba Fett, Scout Trooper, once the member finishes it or receives it from a commission or artist, you submit it to what's called a garrison membership liaison, and they review photos and compare it to the CRL and movie shots of the character to make sure that it's accurate enough to represent Lucasfilm's intellectual property. Gotcha. So you guys are really going for authenticity. Correct. Um, yeah. yeah. We, we try not to... Um, we have various levels. So for mm-hmm. basic membership, um, we try to keep it pretty lenient. We want to... One of the purposes of our organization, there are three. One, as I mentioned earlier, is to contribute to charity, a variety of causes. Mm-hmm. The other is to facilitate the use of costumes, and the other is to promote interest in Star Wars. Well, obviously, to do that last one, to promote interest in Star Wars, we don't want to be too selective right? when we can. But uh, at the that same time... To me, yeah, you don't want to alienate people just no, to, or be like that guy. Like, not at all. Yeah. And we'll talk about it more later, but our local, all of our local members um, are always enthusiastic about helping new members because we realize it's intimidating, it's complicated. So you said you're in that level of just kind of starting out, right? Of... Or like you've been here for like a year with the, yeah, with the organization. Yeah, my anniversary is coming up. So did you build all that yourself? Or? All by myself, yeah. Really? Good yeah. job. It comes in a plastic kit. Okay. Untrimmed. You got to cut everything out. You got to glue. You got to sand. Okay. Uh, you got to fit. And it, it's actually really fun. It took me around uh, three months to make. Uh-huh. But that's only because obviously I had a lot of time on my hands, like most of us do right now. Mm-hmm. But on average, I would say this could take around six to eight months to make. Really? That and long? To, wow. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. It's a lot of looking at reference images from the original film. Mm-hmm. This is the A&H Stormtrooper, the ones that the uh, a majority of the Stormtroopers wore. Right. Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford actually wore a different version of this armor. When they went into the trash compactor? When they went into the trash compactor, yeah. correct. Uh, this is called the stun version. Okay. And uh, it was a f- it was a fun project, in all honesty. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no, it it looks outstanding. Like I'm, I'm highly impressed by um, you know what you guys have on, and um, you know, and even the stuff that Howard has always showed me in the past. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, I'll give you a little background on Howard. When I moved into this building day one, um, this guy walks into my studio, which was down those much smaller studio down the hall. Um, now we've expanded such, or since, and Howard walks in wearing a Nirvana t-shirt, and he goes, hey, I'm Howard, I'm your lawyer. 
like that. And honestly, he's been my lawyer ever since. I'm like, <laughs> I looked at his shirt. I'm like, Nirvana, yeah, you're my lawyer. That's for sure. Um, anyway, so then I start getting in, you know, he starts telling me about all this stuff. He's involved with the with the 501. And um, he starts showing me all these pictures. And, you know, Howard's always bringing stuff into his office and, you know, showing it off. And I was, he, I was always amazed at how authentic and or to what lengths that you guys will take this like with the guns for example um now you know some of them are actual guns from the set and some of them are actual replicas um that you guys have made to a t um so take me through some of the stuff you guys do with the weapons sure so uh, i guess with the weapons and props with any piece of uh thing that we make the reason we keep it so authentic is uh for the sake of our relationship with lucasfilm Mm-hmm. We're not spo- in any way sponsored. What is your relationship, yeah, yeah. with Lucas? We're not in any way sponsored or affiliated. It's um, moreover, it's like a liaison relationship, if I could describe it as such. So, for instance, they'll invite us to many of their licensed events. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the example that comes to mind is recently, back in November, they uh, launched Coach, launched a Star Wars line, uh, and Lucasfilm asked us to go to the Coach stores and under their license uh, market that launch okay so uh lucasfilm will use us for events um and because of that that's why we hold ourselves to such high accuracy standards right is because i can imagine yeah that that's pretty influential to how you guys exactly yeah do all that back in 2014 2015 when they had star wars weekends at hollywood studios we were their cast members Mm -hmm. we weren't actually working for disney or paid we were just the group that they invited in to populate Hollywood Studios with the characters for those So weekends. you guys are the ones doing the parades? Yes, we used to be. Star Wars Weekends uh, stopped, I think, in 2016. Right. Um, so since then, we've not been uh, doing okay. the parades. All right, so those, are you, you want to sure, take quick. the break? All right, so we're going to take a break here, and uh, we're going to let you change, because I know that that's tough for you to stand there in the corner with all that on, um, and then we'll be right back. All right, so we are... Back from our break, uh, Thomas, thank you so much for putting all that Stormtrooper gear on and, you know, showing that to our audience and, you know, being able to, I, I love the fact that you, know, you should be proud of what you built on that one. Um, and Eric, uh, thanks for staying in gear. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I guess that one's a little bit tough to sit down in, right? Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, the butt plate, the posterior plate, it's like makes it impossible to sit down. Okay. Yeah. It has a butt plate. Yes, it does have a butt pouch. On the last podcast, I invented something called the butt pouch, which was for bicycles, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, So where we left off before, um, I just want everyone to say hi to the Ewok. I love Ewoks, right? And my son, Sean, and my daughter, Sienna, they love Ewoks, too. So I just want to say, here's the Ewok. Yeah. Um, We were talking about weapons. Yes. Yeah. So I cut you off, and you want to kind of get into that? Yeah, so I'll just touch on it real briefly. Um, so your question was basically, uh, you know, how do we go about building and researching the weapons? And it's the same as any costume part, like I said. Um, so for the, the props, uh, obviously one thing we want to strive for is that they're non-functional. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our events, some schools nowadays, understandably, rather us not bring it. Um, but for the events that do, we still want to make sure that uh, they're non-functional, which is really the only thing that differentiates them from any other costume part. Um most of what Lucas drew from, for the original trilogy anyways, was uh, World War II mm-hmm. and early uh, 20th century influences. Yep. So uh, as you, I think you mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, some will be deactivated uh, weapons from that era. 
Uh, others will be entirely rubber cast and were never functional. Um, like what weapons from that era? Do you know? Sure. Yeah. So, okay. For a new hope. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was the world war two was, oh, yeah. was the influence for the weapons. It's actually an influence for a lot of it. Um, well, when you think about it, the empire does parallel Nazi Germany. Yeah. That, that kind of, so, I grasped the, but so Darth yeah. Vader's helmet, um, the back of it, uh, kind of the part that goes over the face mask, if you will, is based off of a Stalin helm, mm -hmm. which was, uh, the German helmet of world war two. Um, also, the DLT-19, which is a, one of the longer rifles the Stormtroopers carry in that movie, is based off the MG-34 with some modifications. The E-11 here is... Um, Sterling submachine gun. Yes, In correct. fact, if you want to look at this real quick, it's cast from the original weapon. If you look under there, it's the Sterling magazine. It's, oh, wow, it is. Yeah. It's got the patent number and everything on there. Mm -hmm. Correct. That is a rubber cast, so it's solid. And it makes it better for trooping because if I drop that, it won't break. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, wow. Nice. Yeah. And so he modified it, Lucas. He added T-tracks. He added some greeblies all over. He added a a, Hang, a Hengsler box. I mean, mm -hmm. Yes, it says Hengsler right there. And a nice scope. And uh, made for a really cool prop. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um... So I asked a question when we took the break um, about, hey, can we get Chewbacca in here one day? I kind of just floated that joke over your way. And you informed me, well, the 501's all Imperial forces, right? Not and just Imperial, but uh, any Star Wars antagonist or uh, I think, as I said during the break, if you have to ask yourself, is this character good or bad? It's probably with the 501st. Okay. So uh, the bad guys and anywhere in between the bad and good. For the protagonists, the good guys of the Star Wars uh, saga, we have a sister organization called the Rebel Legion. Um, pretty much follows the same organization and process we do. Uh, it's a little bit smaller because I personally think we the bad guys just look cooler. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, just a little stab at them. We have a rivalry, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, the Rebel Legion attends many of the events alongside us. Many of our members are dual members, um, so they'll be members of both, have costumes, good and bad. Um, yeah, and Chewbacca is included in that, um, that okay. organization, so. And they're all over, is that organization, is that, like, just as big as yours, like the 14,000 members? No, or? so in the, in the way of numbers, no, it's not as big. It is as expansive, meaning that they do operate in a lot of the same countries that we do. They're mm -hmm. international. They're likewise a 501 Category 7 nonprofit social club. Uh, they work just like us with Lucasfilm on some of the events. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. So you've been with it for a year now. About a year now. So yep. give me your take. How long have you been with this organization? So I, I, I joined in August, 2018. 2018. So you've been for two, three years, going mm -hmm. on three years. All right. So tell me, like, you guys do a lot of events with this. Has this really kind of, what has this done with, like, to your life, basically, for lack of a better question? Sure. I'll let Thomas start off with this one. Okay. Thank you. So I joined about a year ago. Um, I'm still in high school, actually. Oh, you are? Well, yeah, that's, I'm the minority of this group, though. Um, a lot of our members are in their 20s, 30s. Mm -hmm. um, but I come from a Boy Scout background. I'm an Eagle Scout. Oh, wow. I love community service. What do you say? What are you supposed to say to an Eagle Scout? So you say thank you for your service? <laughs> no, 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 no. None of that. None of that. But congratulations, I guess you'd say, right? Thank you, that, yeah. That's quite the accomplishment of becoming an Eagle Scout, isn't it? Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. 
and basically I love community service. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that involved in the 501st. And I love Star Wars. I mm -hmm. grew up on it. My dad, bit of a Star Trek fan. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and I found out about the 501st at a convention back in 2016. And I was mm -hmm. still 16. You need to be 18 to join. Okay. So I started around when I was 17, mm -hmm. putting my first outfit together. It wasn't the Stormtrooper. I'm actually an Imperial officer first. Um, that was my first outfit. The guys who, you know, order the Stormtroopers around. And that's a really fun costume for me as well because I'm a lot more flexible. Uh, you know, I can order people around for fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can imagine dressing up in that costume is a lot uh Gives your day a little more longevity, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, these guys, you can only stay in for so long, but an officer, I can stay in all day if I had to. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, a lot of community service. We visit children's hospitals. Those are my favorite events, personally. Okay. I love the children's hospital visits. What's that, what's that like with in the children's hospitals? I mean, they just have to be kind of over the moon when they see you guys walk in the room. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's really got to make a big difference for them, doesn't it? It is, and it's it's um, it's a surreal feeling to think that someone who has every reason to frown smiles even for a moment when you walk in the room, mm -hmm. and you're the reason for that smile. So it's very encouraging. And it's a good you know, way to put it. Yeah, and it's not by any means a cure or even a treatment for their chronic disease, whatever they're fighting for, and we don't claim it to be as much. Um, in fact, when we do hospital visits, it's not like our fundraising events. We're not even raising money for the treatment of those diseases, but we are treating a symptom of pediatric chronic diseases, which is the deprivation of a childhood unconfined to a hospital environment, which is drab. I mean, they do their best. The hospital workers work day and night to try and provide entertainment for the children and to relieve them of the stress they and their families experience, but they can only do so much on a hospital budget. Mm -hmm. So we come in and we try to interrupt what is otherwise a bleak memory in the mind of a child by providing them, even if only for five, 10 minutes, once a month, something to smile about. And that's mm -hmm. a memory that they can not only enjoy in the moment, but look back on while they're stuck in a hospital and smile with photos. We try to give them stickers, lightsabers, whatever we can to interrupt uh, something that no family should have to live through. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm a father of two children and I just cannot even fathom, you know, like the reality of that. You know, and, mm. and it, but it's there and it's a reality. And these children's hospitals don't exist for no reason. Um, they exist for, exist for a very good reason. Um, so you guys are once a month, are you, you're going to the children's hospital that so often? For each hospital, yes. So we work with multiple hospitals in South Florida. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, prior to the pandemic, we would be visiting uh, maybe two hospitals twice a month. And then mm -hmm. next month, we would alternate to other hospitals. Um, we actually have in Everglades squad, it's not a standard unit uh, for the 501st in, at large, but in our squad, we have what's called a hospital liaison, which is just an unofficial position. It's one of our members who volunteers on top of it, on top of going to events, uh, to periodically contact hospital entertainment coordinators and um, liaisons. Mm -hmm. And that hospital liaison works to sustain and expand our relationship with hospitals in South Florida and gets us into those visits. That's outstanding. Yeah. That's outstanding. So you've done these hospital visits with them as well? And yeah, I've done several now. Yeah. Um, hands down my favorite type of event to go to. Okay. The kids, they love it, uh, yeah. as Eric stated. You know, even if, if it's for a minute, you know, that you walk in and this, this child is this frowning, he's sad, mm -hmm. and then you walk in and all of a sudden 
he lights up. And, you know, you give him some gifts. Like, we give him uh, these cards, for example, right here. Mm -hmm. So our members have cards. They can, can remember. Of, of course, yeah. Right, so yeah. they have member cards here. I'm going to hold that up um, for the camera. Hopefully it's in focus. Um, and it's got, you know, it's just kind of like a baseball or football card. Yeah. Um, and it's got your number that's on it. Actually, Is that what that, your, yeah. yeah, it's mine. That's, yeah, that's it's your number. Yeah. So that's one of my other costumes. I have four in total. Mm -hmm. uh, and on that note, we actually have a set of each of our cards for everyone here. Mm -hmm. for the staff so we'll leave those with you after okay oh yeah awesome so what um what other events do you guys attend so everything and anything now there are some events that are barred by um lucasfilm licensing okay um as i mentioned our relationship is not only important to lucasfilm in the mm -hmm. way of maintaining our uh, accurate representation of the costumes but also we want to be responsible with their intellectual property right um so we can't attend business locations for the purposes of marketing. Uh, for example, if a bar is having a Star Wars trivia night, we can't just go to a bar and be pictured with alcohol. It, to, right, yeah. to Lucasfilm, it's um, two things. First, it gives the impression that they, Lucasfilm, the company, endorses whatever company we are visiting. Okay. And the second thing is it's unauthorized marketing by a third party uh, without uh, permission from Lucasfilm to use the intellectual property. But other than that, um, we'll attend any event. So we attend sports games, um, also with Lucasfilm approval. Um, okay. but things that we don't necessarily, Lucasfilm has already authorized us to do are things like, um, library socials. We visit schools, we visit hospitals, we go to conventions, we do weddings, we do bar mitzvahs. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do the fundraising walks. We do the fundraising galas. Um, we will do, um, community parades. Um, we've been on stage with Weird Al. We, uh, not Everglades Squad in South Florida, but our members in California were actually on uh, in episode seven and eight of the Mandalorian TV show as really? Stormtrooper Extras. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau were short on Stormtrooper Extras during production, and that's not just something that you can whip up more costumes or extras for mm -hmm. uh, without delaying production. So they called up the 501st and extended an invitation. Calling the 501. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So our members were in that. Um, it just speaks to the authenticity of what we were talking about earlier exactly. with, with your costumes. And, or, or is it right to even call them costumes, I guess? Yeah, or, no, it's yeah. costumes. Um, I mean, and that's, in a sentence, that's what our accuracy about. It's not to gatekeep. It's not to be superior. Mm -hmm. We're just fans. We want to celebrate with other fans and incoming recruits. Our accuracy is purely for... Uh, our relationship with Lucasfilm that enables us to do these events. They mm -hmm. have us to the Hollywood premiere of The Rise of Skywalker in December. Um, they flew some of our members in Everglades Squad to Jordan, the country, and we visited a children's hospital there. We went to the movie premiere there where The Rise of Skywalker was filmed. Wow. And you went on that trip? I did not personally, but we had two members from Everglades Squad, Very uh, cool. Danny Tito and Dave Gray, mm -hmm. that went over to Jordan and they took pictures where they filmed The Rise of Skywalker in the Jordanian Desert. So Wow, that must have been, I mean, I mean, I would imagine for a Star Wars, you know, enthusiast that that had to have been an it's epic insane. moment. Yeah. yeah, and it's, and on top of that, it was an all paid trip. So mm -hmm. they didn't have to drop a dime and Lucasfilm flew them out there. So it was, no, it was amazing. So on top of that, yeah, we, we do a uh, Disney rival run here in Florida mm -hmm. every year. It got canceled this year, but um, that is, if you're not familiar, it's a charity. I have no idea what that is. It's, yeah. it's a charity run that Disney puts on in benefit of Make-A-Wish, which is our, um, if 
a private event organizer doesn't choose a charity or doesn't have a preference. That's our default, who we partner with. We have an endowment fund with Make-A-Wish. So we partner with Lucasfilm and Disney uh, to attend their rival run and cheer mm-hmm. on runners who pay to register and thus donate to Make-A-Wish. Um, and we'll go, we used to go to Legoland. We don't do that anymore. Authorization got pulled for that one. Um, or just expired. I'm not actually sure of the circumstances, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. So to answer your question, I mean, any event that you can dream of that's within LFL guidelines. Okay. I often say, um, you know, we, we, from time to time, we'll bring on organizations, um, that selflessly help, you know, others or the less fortunate or however you want to call that or label that. Um, and we always say that, you know, the intrinsic value of giving back is really, you know, a valuable thing to receive in return. Like the thing you're saying about the children seeing their faces and knowing that, you know, you made a difference in their lives or that Mm -hmm. day, um, um, is more important and more valuable, um, than any physical or tangible thing that you could receive that would might make you happy. Sure. Um, Such as, you always say, for example, everyone always says winning the lottery or something like that. Um, because all those things are fleeting, but experiences like that, you know, you take with you, you know, forever. So, um, so uh, congratulations to you guys. And, and, uh, you know, you know, it's appreciated things like that, you know, and that's one of the things that we like to do on this show or spotlight those, um, in the community that are, are doing good, um, just for the, you know, reasons of just out of the goodness of their heart. The world, obviously, especially with the way the world is now, needs a lot more of that. Um, I don't think that um, thing, you know, the answers and the questions that are out there right now are as, you know, cut and dry as everyone's kind of making them seem. You know, if you just do this, then all the rest of that will be, you know, solved. I don't think it's that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, a lot of it does start, though, with some of the examples that you guys are laying out, um, you know, to selflessly go and help others. And I think the world just needs to experience a little bit more of that, you know, in, in their lives and, and, you know, just you know, turn off the TV and you know, get away from, don't watch the news and like all that stuff like that and get out and talk to your neighbors and sure. experience people in the flesh rather than experiencing people, you know, by staring at a box all day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And our work uh, does get us out in the community. It gets us familiar. I, um, I moved to South Florida in 2013. Um, my parents live in Stewart, Florida in Martin County mm-hmm. and through Everglades squad since I joined in 2018, um, that five year interim where I wasn't a member, I wasn't very familiar with Broward County and Miami Dade. I had no reason to come down here, but since doing, joining the 501st and doing events, I've become very familiar with local communities. I've met people, you know, just like today, I through Howard have networked with you, Dennis, and, mm-hmm. uh, had the pleasure of coming here. So uh, I'll give Thomas a, a chance to comment, but before I was a member, I guess I can't really say it now without incurring some bias, but one thing I always admired about the 501st is they're going out and they're doing these things and they are being selfless, but on top of that, many of the characters are helmeted. You never, they're, they're not attaching their face to the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And they really aren't in it to be recognized or, and I, and personally, I'm not either, um, to be uh, although I surely do, do appreciate it, not to be congratulated or um, spotlighted. We definitely want to wait, aware, raise awareness for the causes we work with, but we're not looking to raise awareness for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. No, I, it's I, a good I, release, you know, I, I think, to, to be able to, you know, be an enthusiast about, you know, something you're passionate about, 
Um, and listen, it's no different. You know, we're connected by water here. This is the, you know, we're primarily a marine based um, studio. This is a little off brand for us bringing mm-hmm. you guys in. But, you know, I wanted to bring you guys in because everything that Howard always tells me about all the great stuff you guys do in the community, you know, and I really wanted to put a focus on that today because um, it is so important. You know, I knew, and I guess it's like, I don't care who you are. Um, you know, if you're doing good, then you're doing good. You know, mm-hmm. we, we want to spotlight you. Um, but you know, it, it's really, you know, I don't know. I just can't say enough about it. it, it it's good stuff. So you want, I cut you off there. I think you're about to kind of get okay. into something. Yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, like I said, I came in cause I really like community service. Um, just graduated high school this year, heading over to Fort Myers next year to go to college. Mm-hmm. Plan on taking the stormtrooper with me Plan on taking my costumes with me. Education comes first, of course, but, um, I plan on getting out some, a bit more when up there. Um, again, it's a nice way to detox at the end of the week. You know, mm-hmm. after a week of work, you get to go out, see your friends, mm-hmm. get to make people smile, make people happy. They love it. They love seeing the stormtroopers. I mean, it's not every day you get to say you've seen a stormtrooper or Darth Vader, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren. And uh, again, I do it for the smiles. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. You can't put a, a price value on that, you know. I wouldn't take a dollar, a penny. It's just I do it for the smiles, and I do it to make people happy. Yeah, so that's a good example that you yeah. guys are laying out. I guess the thing I was going to say, to had a fleeting thought, and now I remember what it was, is, you know, our brand here is primarily marine-based, and we bring on communities that revolve, or we bring, bring on organizations and people that kind of, you know, revolve their giving around the marine industry or through boating or through fishing or you know, stuff like that. Um, so, but what I was going to say, it's nice to kind of be able to meld your passion into the giving aspect of it too. And you guys certainly have a passion for it. Um, so Star Wars, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's, you know, I think, you know, one of the greatest films of all times, you guys probably think it is the greatest film of all time, I'm sure. Um, you know, and you know, everyone's truly a fan of star wars you know i I think you know i rarely ever met someone that doesn't like star wars um but take me through you know individually some of your influences you know when did the star wars thing start how did you get into it personally what does it mean to you thomas you can go ahead okay um when i was very young my uncle as i said before my dad doesn't really like star wars he likes it but he's more of a star trek fan my uncle, huge Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. came over one day, maybe it was around five, and was like, I got to show you this film. Popped in episode four in the VHS, and uh, after that, I was hooked, man. Mm-hmm. Every day, I was watching Star Wars, and, you know, then I started getting into the books. The books I love, I started getting into the comics, the games, uh, mm-hmm. all throughout my, you know, my education alongside, and, it, and that really helped me cope in school. Yeah, It was nice to have something to talk about. Uh, again, I was always out camping and stuff. It was fun to talk about it with friends. Um, I would say my Star Wars, like, geekness kind of kicked off when I went to Star Wars Celebration in Orlando. Okay. That was in 2017. Uh, my mom's friend had got a pair of tickets. She wasn't going to go anymore. Something had come up. So she gave them to me. At this point, you know, I would watch Star Wars every now and then, but I wasn't like, over the top about it. I went there for four days in Orlando, had the time of my life, met so many cool people. It's where I found out about the 501st for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that's where it all started. A few months later, I went to a Marlins game. Everglades squad was there, and uh, I talked to a few members. Uh, keep in mind, I was only like 16 at this time, so I had a lot of time to really plan out what I wanted to do. And uh, after that, I just started getting into more comics and books and you know, I started basing school projects around it. Uh-huh. it. It was fun. It was fun. So that's how I got into Star Wars. My uncle hooked me in. Uh, my dad, we, you know, as a family day, we would go out and see episode seven, Rogue One, episode eight. And, you know, now my family loves it. So I kind of roped them in as well. Wow, that's great. You know, it's it's interesting for me to hear that story because I grew up with Star Wars. Like ever since I, I mean, that... I mean, I don't want to, you know, put an age on myself here like too much, but you know, this is the Star Wars when I was a kid was all new in the theaters, and you know, and you know, it was you know, you know, great films. And when um, like things like Phantom Menace came out, you know, those of us who grew up with just seeing it in, I guess we'll call it analog, you know, because there wasn't as many of you know, obviously the CGI and right. has changed the the franchise of the whole thing. Um, we're a little jaded when Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks kind of came out. Um, you know, I don't want to talk down the brand or anything like that, but, you know, I guess now looking back on it kind of has its place in the whole saga, um, and the whole evolution of where everything kind of is now. Um, so it's interesting for me to hear someone who says, oh, and it really ramped up for me in 2017, you know, where for and I understand you're in high school and everything, but for me, it's like I've been, I've seen the franchise for so long and you know, adored it for so long. It's it's kind of cool to see that you know, it's, it's got such legs still, that it's continually creating new fans, like even to this day. So it, it speaks volumes to it. So yeah. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Five Horse has three missions. One of them is to contribute. We've talked at length about that. The other two are to facilitate the use of the costumes that we wear. And uh, what that means in short is simply that if we weren't doing events that we do, they'd be just on mannequins in our house and mm-hmm. make a nice display. So 501st gives members something to do with the costumes. Our other mission is to promote interest in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to an antidote to illustrate what you're referencing, Dennis. Um, I was at Megacon. I think it was 2019 Megacon in Orlando. And there was a father and her child, uh, his child. Uh, I think she was 10 at the time. And uh, I had gotten to chatting. He came by our booth and he was interested in joining. So I gave him my information for the purposes of uh, sending him recruitment material. Just, you know, walk him through the process. Because it, it is, uh, it's not especially difficult, but I think as we said earlier, it's a bit intimidating. Um, and in the one of the emails that followed, uh, he said that, and I'll never forget this quote, um, he said, most people like the 501st because they like Star Wars. For my daughter, she likes Star Wars because of the 501st. And that's also what this is about. It's certainly just as much about doing charity. But we give uh, other families the opportunity to do what I've experienced, what Thomas has experienced, and presumably, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe what you've experienced, Dennis, which is, Star Wars is a medium for all. It's something that can bind us together. It's a common flag for us to fly under. No matter if you're a fan of the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy, or one of the animated TV shows, the comics, the books, the video games, everyone can find a place in Star Wars. It's such an expansive galaxy, and you can find your own way to enjoy it, just as you can 
find your own costume to wear. Uh, you can just read the comics. You can just read the books. You can just play the video games if you want. But no matter how you express your love for Star Wars, it's still a commonality that has uh, impacts for families, for friends, for otherwise strangers. The brand recognition of Star Wars is so expansive that when we show up at an event, it is something that two, you know we people see, and two people who may have otherwise not even looked at each other, you know, find a common interest. And I mean, for a family, I think that's invaluable. With me, my interest in Star Wars started when I was about six or seven. Um, one of my neighbor, my childhood best friends, and someone who lived in the neighborhood showed me. Uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. That was the first Star Wars movie I saw. And from there I was hooked. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I, all my costumes are from the original trilogy. So I, I would say that is probably my favorite. Um, but I have nothing against any of the other Star Wars content, namely for that reason. Mm -hmm. I prefer to focus on what we enjoy rather than diss what we dislike. It's such an interesting perspective. Like everything that you just laid out, um, you know, right, right down the, with just everything you just said. But I also think it's highly interesting that um, the Revenge of the Sith was your first experience with for, of those, I guess, what are those throwbacks? The the, the first the first three episodes. Yeah, um, I really did like that one. You mm -hmm. know, with the Queen Amidala and uh, and what what was the name of that Sith that was in? Um, God, I'm drawing a blank on his name with the red and the black face. Uh, Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Yeah, I, thought, I always thought that was a really cool like designed character. Yeah. Um, we have yes. a couple in Florida. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yes. So I thought that was, you know, it's an interesting perspective to see, cause I'm always like empire strikes back. I always think is like the greatest one of the entire franchise just cause I think you can't get better than the classic. I'm your father, mm. you know, no, I'll never join you and cut off his hand and everything like that. It just seems to me that that's one of the greatest moments in all of film history was the, was that moment and to this day like you could say i'm your father and people know exactly the moment you're talking about it you know takes it a long way so sure it's interesting to hear that perspective mm -hmm. though um perhaps it's an age difference or even a cultural difference or however you know generational is not cultural generational difference um to see that that was your you know start to it so what do you think of the like episodes was it four through six mm -hmm. right so that's what Star Wars, New Hope, Empire yeah. Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts and feelings on those? Well, like I said, all my costumes are from those episodes. So okay. I have four. I have Boba Fett from Return of the Jedi. I have the Scout Trooper from Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. I have the Royal Guard, the Red Guys from Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And then I have a Stormtrooper from A New Hope. So uh, needless to say, especially with all the time and money I've sunk into those costumes, I really do enjoy the original trilogy. Um but that doesn't preclude my enjoyment of the prequels or sequels either. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing about Star Wars. It is, it's multi-generational. It's multi-racial. It's multi-national. Um, anyone can find something to enjoy in Star Wars. It can mm -hmm. be from any of the mediums that I aforementioned. And that's something that I think is priceless, especially with, um, regardless of maybe where you fall, it's division is prevalent and it can develop cynicism, antagonism, but Star Wars in some ways is an antidote to that. It's mm -hmm. something can people can find something in common with. And I mean, Star Wars being so much, it's an adventure, it's a romance, uh, it's an opera, it's a drama, um, it's action, it's war. It's uh, even in some ways to 
for those that choose to interpret it that way, political commentary. George Lucas himself said he was interested in depicting our social systems through his creation of the Star Wars galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those that want to take an academic perspective, it's there. So, I mean, there are multiple ways that you can not only enjoy the Star Wars universe, multiple ways you can examine and look at it. And no matter how, again, what you choose to do with it or how you choose to enjoy it, um, it's something that binds people together. And I think that's really powerful, especially with so much division. I always think, speaking of the academic perspective, I always think it's very interesting when you analyze the Star Wars story, you know, from the macro view. Mm-hmm. Um, and see the Joseph Campbell influence um, of it all. So I'm not sure if you, how much you guys um, have read into the whole Joseph Campbell aspect of it, but being huge Star Wars fans, like I'm sure you understand it and know, know of it. Um, maybe not by name. It, do, it doesn't ring a bell. So Joseph Campbell, and may, maybe this is something for you to kind of look into. Um, Joseph Campbell was a writer. And he wrote this book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And and I'm going to paraphrase this whole thing here, too. So it's just kind of like a general view because I don't know specifically a ton about it. Um, I did take a course in college, a world religions course, and they brought up this book. And there was a mention of it, um, how, you know, every story has a parallel for a hero's journey um, to where a hero will you know, need assistance or has doubt before taking the journey and then goes on a certain path in the journey. You can see parallels um, like the life of Buddha, the life of Jesus, so the, the Star Wars and Luke Skywalker. And they, Joseph Campbell runs all these parallels to the point where Joseph Campbell and George Lucas became very good friends because he saw these parallels in the entire story. And I think George Lucas, again, this is where my paraphrasing comes in. Um, I think George Lucas really... Um, used Joseph Campbell's theories on that in the entire saga. Sure. So you know, that's a, another academic, you know, point of view uh, from it. And something that I kind of want to look into a little bit more um, of with the whole Joseph Campbell thing. I actually think on Disney Plus there was um, a Star Wars documentary that maybe touched on it a little bit. Um, Perhaps. But, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting um Interesting, you know, when you start getting down, peeling up away the layers of Star Wars, it's it's such a deep, yeah. you know, story. Uh, no, I could see the relevance, and it's just a matter of choosing which layer you want to look at. With Joseph Campbell, uh, yeah, the application of his work is clear. I mean, with Jesus being the prodigal son, I mean, they're, um, regardless of your stance on uh, religion, I mean, Jesus... recounted in the Bible that, you know, to do his journey, to leave with the, what was considered the lesser of society, congregate with them and travel with them across uh, Israel, Judeo. I mean, that requires faith the same way Luke has to trust in a force he can't see Mm -hmm. to overcome his inhibitions about joining the rebellion, traveling the galaxy and fighting an empire that was, you know, millions times his size. Right. And just the same for one Man, Jesus overcoming uh, uh, you know, Satan, temptation, yeah, temptation, yeah, temptation. In the desert, temp- tempted by the devil in the desert, and exactly. they, you know, join the dark side. But it's not only yeah. that. Like we talked about the World War II influence too. I mean, uh, there was uh, just looking at the story. I mean, it's a ragtag group of freedom fighters trying to resist an empire trying to occupy the galaxy. 
the same way Germany tried to occupy France, Belgium, Denmark, et cetera, and was met with uh, the French resistance fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in combination with allied forces, they overcame an empire that was looking to dominate for their own gain and they secure their vital interests. But um, yeah, no, there's lots to be said. I'll, I'll let Thomas uh, chime in on what he thinks. Sure. The original films, I love them. Mm-hmm. I grew up on old films, you know, Citizen Kane, this original Star Wars trilogy, Godfather. I don't know if you're familiar with Godfather. Very familiar with the Godfather. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm Tom Hagen. The, I love it. The, yeah. <laughs> the attorney. <laughs> yeah, the attorney. So I'm, I'm named after him, which I thought was funny because my parents laid that out for me while I'm watching it. And they're like, Really? So oh, yeah. you were named after him? Well, it wasn't the full reason, but, okay. you know, they thought it was funny. It was a bit of something after the fact. It's it's neat. But Very um, cool. I grew up on old films. Again, to me personally, I like all the films, but you, nothing beats the originals. Okay. Um, Lucas said originally that, you know, it was just going to be a one and done with A New Hope. It wasn't even called A New Hope when he released it. It was just Star Wars. Right. And then, you know, he caught lightning in a bottle with episode four. So mm-hmm. then he went on to make five. And five is my favorite as well. Five is a really good film. You know, mm-hmm. the great, again, one of the greatest cinematic moments in cinema history with the I Am Your Father. It's a, it's a great thing. Uh, episode six, also really good. But again, I love them. And everything you and Eric touched on is true. There's a lot of deep meaning in these films. Again, you can sit uh, your kid in front of the TV and he can just watch it, you know, and not get anything from it. He'll just get a fun action film. But if you really look into it and dissect it, there's a lot in there about religion, about war, about politics. It's all there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of deep meaning behind all these films. So what what other old films do you like? I like a lot of old films too. I have, I have a, my dad was always kind of brought me up on a lot of the old films. You know, mostly like you know old war movies. He would always make me watch Bridge Over the River Kwai and all that, and um, Casablanca and, and all these Casablanca great films. Is a good one. Citizen yeah. Kane. I took a film class in school, and I saw a lot of those old films as well. That Casablanca in particular. Um, so Godfather, like I mentioned, Star Trek, I watched from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of nineties films I watched as well. When I got older, I like a lot of Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite? I'm on the fence between Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. I know Inglorious is a newer film mm-hmm. for me. It's a bit older though, but I really like Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And again, Sam L. Jackson was in Star Wars. So it makes it all better. I mean, Pulp Fiction kind of put, um, put Tarantino on the map there. It did. It did. It was his breakthrough. Reservoir Dogs, you know, was his first film. Right, but I think Pulp Fiction, there was such shock value, especially for the time when it came out. I do remember um, when it came out, it was a little controversial. Now, it's kind of like, it it was revolutionary revolutionary in the sense that a lot of films are in that vein now. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have that shock value because you almost need it at this point. Exactly. Because of the success that that movie had, you know? Yeah. But I like sitting down, watching an old film. I, I probably pick up the original trilogy more than I pick up, you know, the prequels or the sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a fun movie to watch on, like, a rainy day or, you know, now that we're all inside with, the you know, the, the pandemic and everything. Right, it's, yeah. It's nice to sit down and relax, watch yeah. a film with your family or by yourself. That was a weird moment with the, the whole pandemic thing and... You know, I understand it's still kind of out there, but I think we understand a little bit how to deal with it more. The first couple of weeks of it, everyone was like, what's going on? You know what I mean? But I think at this point, you know, yeah, obviously you got to kind of take care of yourself and 
play it safe, play it cool. And, but, you know, you know, now I think we understand like the motions that we need to take during the course of our day to, you know, keep ourselves you know, safe and healthy and all that. But yeah, the interesting time, you know, yeah. speaking from someone who's a little older than you guys, um, I've never experienced anything like that, you know, in my lifetime to that extreme. Um, so I can only imagine what your guys' perspective is, you know, on, you know, hopefully, you know, that was just an event that you'll never see again, you know, no. or, but, you know, I, you know, I don't know if it's safe to say that or not, you know, just, you know, I don't like the term new normal. Um, I, I, I don't, I think that's getting thrown around a little bit too oh, loosely, yeah. but, um, you know, I think we just need to, you know, understand, you know, what the event was and, you know, perhaps I'm rambling on about that. But. It's affected a lot of us. My graduation got canceled, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Which God, I'm, was, I'm sorry. I yeah. feel so bad about those things. I'll look back at it in the future and be like, I was the only class that didn't get a graduation, I yeah. guess. But it's an interesting story. I can live without it. I saw a funny post online. If you want to experience your graduation, throw on a towel and go into a hot room for a few hours. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Yeah. <laughs> But again, the, the 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 pandemic allowed me to work on this. The stormtrooper was a project I picked up back in December. Mm-hmm. And again, like I was when I was singing the armor, you buy the the kit right, and it's just all untrimmed plastic, and you got to cut it, sand it, glue it, and uh, you know there's like so much information online. We have forms. Did you touch on the forms yet, or no? We can we can get into the organization of the five hundred first a bit more. Um, so to pick up on where Thomas was going with that. Um, so the 501st is international, like we've covered. Um, it is organized geographically in the garrisons, and the size of the garrison will depend on the density of the members we have in that area. First, it starts out as an outpost. What an outpost is is just simply one person who wants to join the 501st where there already isn't an organization. I think our most recent one was the island of Malta in the Mediterranean Sea. Cool. Um, there was one guy there that built a shore trooper kit, and wanted to join the 501st, so he set up an outpost. Once the outpost, uh, uh, you know, gains enough members, I think that one in particular has, I think, three now, um, so it's growing. And once it has enough members, it can apply for garrison status. I'm not sure of the threshold off the top of my head, but you have to have a certain number of members, and then you apply. And for the garrison, uh, for example, the state of Florida has a statewide garrison, but a member where they're maybe not as tightly packed or there aren't as many, uh, like the Midwest garrison will cover several states. Uh, I think North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, et cetera. Um, and then Oklahoma has their own, Louisiana has their own, California has three because it's huge. Um, but that's neither here nor there. From the garrisons, uh, depending on how many members the garrison has, if it needs more subunits, it has squads. So Florida garrison, like I mentioned, has five squads, Everglades squad being one of them. Now, to get back to what Thomas was saying about the online forms and stuff, our only other, because I know it gets needlessly complicated to an outsider maybe, but our only other unit of organization is what's called detachments. And what detachments are, are they're organized based on costume. So, for example, all the stormtroopers in the 501st and the variants, um, meaning like um, the incinerator trooper from The Mandalorian, uh, a TK commander from The Force Unleashed, a Star Wars video game, um, are in the 1st Imperial Stormtrooper Detachment. And what those are is everyone in the 501st with one of those costumes is a, a detachment member by default. And each detachment has their own website. And on this website is what Thomas said is forms. 
Now, it's a bit archaic to some with instant messaging becoming a thing, but uh, discussion boards where members will post best tips, best practices, tutorials on how to build armor. They'll share event details. We'll do merchandise you see laid out in front on the table, coins, patches, trading cards, attachments, do all that. Uh, And they are official 501st subunits, but they have their own staff, much like a garrison or squad would. So the same applies for the scout trooper. That's the 501st Pathfinders. It has Mm -hmm. the scout troopers, the short troopers, and the patrol troopers from Solo. You have Bounty Hunters Guild, um, which has all the bounty hunters, Boba Fett, uh, Jango Fett, Zam Wessel, uh, the Mandalorian soon. Um, The CRL has not been finished for that one yet. And just other ones like uh, Ambo, Dengar, IG-88, Zuckus, uh, Forlom, um, or sorry, not IG-88. I misspoke. That's actually not a costume. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Then you have ones for like snowtroopers, Blizzard Force, and I won't go into detail. You have Imperials Officer Corps for Imperial Officers. You have uh, Sovereign Protectors for Royal Guards. And when a new member wants to join, uh, they can register on this website and they can introduce themselves, say what costume they're interested in, and then be guided on experts who have come before mm-hmm. them and built these costumes. Um, and they'll follow what's called a build thread, which is step-by-step uh, construction with photo documentation and text uh, of building your costume. It's not required. Um, People who commission a costume entirely obviously aren't going to have a lot to post if they're not building it. Um, But for those that do build it and do build threads, um, future members coming after them can go back to them and look at how they did it and try things out for their armor to see if they can build it. Um, So those are the organization units. Again, garrisons, squads, outposts when they're too small, and detachments. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a lot of organization, and like Eric said, there's there's staff for these detachments. So while Eric is um you know command staff for a squad, I'm a smaller position in the on my detachment, which is the Imperial Officer Corps. Mm-hmm. So I became really well versed in these costumes, breaking down like the exact stitching of the uniforms. You know, I know all these details about the costumes. So I was approached and offered a position. Uh, in the staff of the detachment. It's a smaller position again, but uh, I go around helping new members. My job is to help new members. If they're interested in an officer, I'll, you know, private message them. I'll help them get on the right trail, how to get in, what to buy, what's good, what's, you know, reputable. And um, I'm basically a a well of information. And that's what's really great about the 501st in Mm -hmm. the CRLs Eric mentioned. You know, this isn't uh, Disney or Lucasfilm uh, sending us a reference the members come together. They take photos uh, off the screens. They like compare and contrast. You know, they say, "Oh, well, this needs to go here," and they the members write it themselves. So when a new character pops on screen, you know, members come together and they design these outfits. Because again, we sometimes we can't get the outfits in hands. Obviously, you know, they're with Lucasfilm, so we have to pull from screen caps and um, really work on it. Together, it's a, it's a collaboration, and that's what's really great about the 501st is, you know, this took years to develop, like a Stormtrooper, for example. Someone actually got their hands on an original suit from A New Hope, and it was all yellow and destroyed, but there was a lot of information we took from that, like how the interior strapping worked. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of—it's it, cool because it's a community effort. Everyone comes together to make these new costumes. People are working on The Mandalorian right now. People are working on the new stormtroopers from episode nine. So there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's very community based and these forms are important to our organization to make these costumes. Yeah. You guys put a lot of work into this and it shows, uh, which, you know, 
we're a creative business here, so we understand the value of putting a lot of effort into creative and, and how that can make a difference, um, how it does make a difference. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I commend you on your efforts, you know, and trust this isn't the first time I'm seeing this level of stuff because obviously Howard's shown yeah. me a bunch of stuff in the past, and, you know, it's impressive. It really is. You know, he, he takes me through some of the, some of the, you know, he'll come knocking on the door and say, check this out. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know. And mm-hmm. I just think it's really interesting. Now, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm nowhere near the level that you guys are um, with it. Um, I can appreciate all the time and effort and, you know, pouring your heart and soul in, into making this stuff look great and, you know, making all your events and actions be great. Um, and also, especially with the community, give. Um, it's an admirable effort um, on all fronts. You know, and it's nice to see, you know, everything that you laid out with the garrisons and, and the outposts and how deep the organization goes and how organized, you know, it really is, you know, speaks volumes, you know, to the effort, you know. So it's uh, it's nice to see. It's very nice to see. So I want to thank you guys for coming on today. Um, is there anything else you guys want to cover? I mean, while we got you in, in the podcast room? Yeah, sure. So for anyone listening, if uh, you have any questions about how to join or maybe how to have us an event, um, to request an appearance, you can go to 501st.com. Like I said earlier in the podcast, all of our events are free. Uh, if it's a private event, we usually encourage a donation, but it's not mandatory and it doesn't influence whether we attend the event or mm-hmm. not. And um, what does what does the donation go to? Well, Just so, so for, people understand yeah. where their money's going. No, no, no. For yeah. the private event, the organizer gets to choose. So mm-hmm. if they want to donate to Wounded Warriors, they can donate to Wounded Warriors. If they want to donate to the Red Cross, they can do that. They can donate gotcha. to Make-A-Wish. So if you accept donations, it goes directly to the organization. Yeah. No, it doesn't go through us at all. Right. Um, we only ask that you just put our name down for record keeping on the donation itself because gotcha. we report that every year. Um But yeah, if, if you don't have a preference, then like I also said, you just goes to Make-A-Wish. We have an endowment fund. Um, that we set up. I think our goal is 501,000 by September 2021. Um, wow. Are you guys getting close to that? Yeah. No, we're making good progress ahead of schedule, really. Um, but with the pandemic, that has derailed things because we don't do yeah. as many events. So that's for appearances. And if you want to join, um, 501st.com too. You can, like I said, look up any costume uh, using any internet browser. Just type the name of the costume and CRL. And you can find all the details on that costume along with a link to the detachment website that we talked about to begin, you know, looking at vendors, getting tips from other members. Uh, and you're also welcome to contact me. Uh, you can find uh, Everglade Squad on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you message either of those platforms, we will respond uh, if you have any questions and live in South Florida and just are interested in getting started. But other than that, no, I think that pretty much covers everything. Okay, excellent. Thomas? And to add to that, um with, again, with the pandemic, where the Florida garrison is taking great measures to, you know, social distance during these events if anyone who wants to host us is worried about something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, summer is, like, our busy month, our busy months, um, j- uh, June, July, and August. You know, we would have events, two events every weekend. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, it's, we get a lot of events. And unfortunately, with this, you know, that cut down a lot. And... Um, if anyone's listening that wants to invite us, we're taking great measures to keep everyone safe during these events. Um, and we have guidelines we follow now for the pandemic. That's great. That's, yeah. that's, that's good to put that out there, definitely. Do you have yeah. events coming up this summer? We do, yeah. So our next event is actually going to be, it's not one that can be publicly attended. It's a wedding, uh, June 27th. Really? Our next oh, one yeah. after that... <laughs> um, 
I don't know off the top of my head. You can find all of our Does events. Does the bride know that you're coming? I think it was the groom that requested us, so <laughs> maybe not. Um, the weddings are wild. Yeah. We actually, yeah. We just, I did, did a wedding on Sunday. Um, they made a donation to Alzheimer's Research, and um, it was a backyard wedding. The groom, no, sorry, bride's parents were unable to make it. Her uh, stepmother actually has coronavirus, so oh, they no. weren't able to travel, and she had... Um, one of our customers uh, in the Mandalorian suit walk her down the aisle in place of her father since he couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also had two stormtroopers that um, participated on the as the groom's uh, best man. I can't forget what you call it, groomsman. Right, groomsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for public events, you can find us on Facebook as well, and we have a calendar there um, that you anyone can- doing the conga line. At a wedding? No, <laughs> no. So there weren't any guests, no? and there wasn't really a reception either because okay. it was because of the virus. They just it was all pretty much virtual. Right. What about any of the other past weddings? Oh yeah, like, yeah. We oh, dance. They get a little get a little crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. The uh oh. Is that your phone? It's awesome. <laughs> the the. The weddings are really fun to go to. I have to say, uh, you know, everyone's so excited to see us. Uh, the first wedding I ever went to, I, you know, I, as an officer, I walked, uh, I think, the father of the groom down the aisle. And that was fun. And we had stormtroopers escort the bride, Vader uh, escort. I forgot who it was. Maybe it was the flower boy or something. But it is so, it's a lot of fun. The mm-hmm. people who invite us to weddings know where they want us. And we just, we listen and it comes out great. And then we, you know, they invite us to take photos after. What's the craziest event that you guys have been to? Um, in terms first. of... Like, I don't know. What, yeah, I guess that's kind of a broad question. So um. in terms of hype, um, there. okay, we, we do have an event that we tend to attend every year. It's at the BBT Center, um, home on the Florida Panthers, and mm-hmm. it's Christmas in July. And I, I don't can't remember the host's organization's name, but it's... Um, basically Christmas for homeless and orphaned children. They mm-hmm. come to the BBT center, they fill the center. Uh, I don't know, I guess what would usually be the, the rink. Um, and they have all kinds of activities for them to do. And we go, that one tends to get crazy, yeah. uh, to no fault of the children, you know, obviously being without parents, they don't necessarily have the inhibitions that other children are taught. No, they're probably ready to charge on those presents, right? Charge at the presents. They like to charge at the costumes. So that's in terms of hype. Now, the weirdest, like most out there event we've ever been invited to, um, hmm. There's some private events, I'm sure, like birthday parties. <laughs> there are some private events we're private not going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, there are birthdays and bar mitzvahs that can get really crazy or just yeah. have, like, want us to do kind of strange stuff. Um, or not maybe not strange, just unique. Like, there was one, there was a wedding we did in Miami. It was two stormtroopers and an Imperial officer. And they wanted, originally, they wanted Darth Vader to, quote unquote, deliver a message from the Emperor. And. It being Darth Vader, it's not exactly easy to, in costume, read anything. They wanted to do it off an iPad and direct guests to their tables. So we ended up sending an Imperial officer instead, which is a bit easier in terms of vision and uh, not having gloves, to direct people to their table, and the stormtroopers, quote-unquote, enforced it. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes there are kind of like elaborate plans of actions that we have to do during the events, and we're happy to do them. It's not an inconvenience. It's just sometimes it is a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. So. Well, you, you were about yeah. to say, add to that. Christmas in July 
was my second event I've ever went to. My, my first event was Supercon, and that was a multiple-day event. I love the conventions, but Christmas in July. Uh, were you were you there last time? Yeah, I was there. It's being costumed. I was in the Stormtrooper, and as you just saw, Dennis, with Thomas in the Stormtrooper, uh, mobility and visibility are limited extremely. Yes. So yeah. you can't see your own feet. And so you're like knocking a kid out with a gun. You're like, you turn. Yeah, no, it happens accidentally. Um, we yeah. can't see our feet in those costumes, so we can't look down. And if a little child, wow, have you ever us, wrecked like a kid? No. I mean, I, yeah, I have Whoa. on accident. Um, <laughs> oh man. I mean, sometimes like, yeah, we'll, we'll just, we'll be standing for photos and a kid will come up unannounced, maybe unaccompanied by a parent and we'll have to move to the next position or maybe someone else is calling our attention. And we have handlers that, of course, you know, look out for us, guide us about our events. But in some instances, handlers get distracted or taking photos for other people. And there might be a little child in front of us. And unfortunately, we just have no way to tell. So we'll take a step and we'll sometimes we'll knock into them. Uh, I've never had or seen or heard of anyone getting gravely injured. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, like try, I'm not trying bump, to put yeah. a bad stamp on yeah, the thing. But, but, I just ask the question yeah yeah a bump it happens <laughs> just trying to be funny That's no sorry. <laughs> at, at christmas in july we, i was i was taking photos we were by the one of the boards i think and a, a little kid comes up to me i'm in my officer at this point i didn't have the stormtrooper and just punches me right in the crotch no yes <laughs> what yeah a the, kid a kid you when you were stored because he thought you were a bad guy he, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. That, that was probably the craziest thing that happened to me at an event. Luckily, I, I've been fortunate enough. This stormtrooper hasn't seen the light of day yet at an official, you know, event. Right. You got an extra cup on under there this time? Well, the armor helps. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I would say that was probably the wildest story I've, I've ever had in the five first. The kid just yeah. decking me right there. But the wildest event I've ever been to, Miami Heat Night. Miami Heat Night it's so those crazy. Miami Heat dancers can get a little, right? <laughs> we were getting changed, and I'm not familiar with basketball. I'm an NFL guy. Um, I like the New York Giants are my favorite team. Okay. Um, but You like Barkley? Yeah. I like Barkley. He's a good guy. Yeah. I'm excited to see what uh, Jones does this season. Yeah. But um, anyway. So you're talking about the Miami Heat dancers, my, right? <laughs> so we're changed. Were you at Miami Heat night? No, no. I wasn't there. We're at Miami Heat night. We're So the they were really elaborate. So we go, like Eric mentioned, we go to sports games. Panthers, they just have us walk around, take photos. Miami Heat night, you know, they had everything planned out. Like they split us all us up. They sent us to different parts of the stadium. We we're on the big screen playing games with uh, audience. Uh, I was, I got to go into the recording studio, and they, we, me and a few stormtroopers got to take over the recording studio, which was really fun. Um, but while we were changing at the beginning basketball players started coming back and shaking our hands and meeting us like from Miami Heat. And I, I don't know their names, unfortunately, but it was really cool to see some players come back. And oh, that's like, cool. They were like, oh, we're huge fans. And I'm like, you're huge fans. Wow. Some of the people here are huge fans of you. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, they're really cool events. Um, but people get really touchy-feely sometimes with the costumes. I bet. And yeah. You know, everyone just wants to like, yeah. yeah. I mean, they look so good, you know, I'm sure people. Yeah, are, yeah. people touch them. And some people are a bit again it's volunteer these costumes belong to us not the the 501st right so some people are like comfortable with people touching you some people aren't it's personal preference in my officer i don't care if anyone touches me really because it's fabric nothing can really break on it well i mean unless they punch you in the crotch unless they punch <laughs> me in the crotch yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
You ever have to be like, dude, you know, take it easy. Yeah. So one event, one of our Vaders um, was handed a baby. No. It, that was really, I had to step in. and Someone handed their child to Vader? Yeah, like infant. In the, <laughs> I don't suggest that people do that. And I, after we were suiting down, like taking off our costumes, uh, I told I told the Vader, his name's James, and I'm like, James, you know someone handed you their child, right? And he's like, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. You, can't see, you can't see. You can't see. It's not about the image or, you know, we're, we're not super strict. We're pretty easygoing, I'd like to think. It's just that purely for safety reasons like yeah he, please yeah no yeah, yeah. don't hand us your children <laughs> um, oh my god yeah the, wow. I mean, you wonder why stormtroopers jokingly miss their targets yeah I mean, right? it's because we can't see you can't look down <laughs> you things. guys are horrible shots yeah yes there, there's an explanation to it in is the there yeah what is it it's it's a bit lengthy but in a new hope uh do your work stormtroopers on the death star First of all, they planted a tracking beacon on the Millennium Falcon, and they intended for the Rebels to escape. So the Stormtroopers' job on the Millennium Falcon, I mean, uh, the Death Star in A New Hope, were simply to corral the protagonist into where Vader had instructed them to corral them to. They didn't want to shoot to kill. I mean, after all, they wanted to find the location of the Rebel base. So, I mean, in the opening of A New Hope, you look to the Tantive Four and the Imperial Stormtroopers boarding uh, the blockade runner. Uh, I mean, they took pretty heavy casualties for the rebels. Um, I mean, pretty much every fleet trooper you see ends up on the floor. So, um, but they're expendable. Yeah. Their size, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the stormtroopers. Yeah. No, I, I mean like they were shooting to kill and they were hitting their targets at the beginning of a new hope. Okay. Um, but on the death star, you don't see that as much because of the fact that they intended for the rebels to escape all along. So again, they could find the rebel base mm -hmm. now for, as for other episodes, um, you know, empire strikes back on cloud city, uh, again, I, you know, Vader wanted to capture Skywalker and his friends, uh, his friends, namely for interrogation, but for Skywalker to turn him to the dark side at that point. So, I mean, all throughout the original trilogy, stormtroopers are not necessarily meant to hit their targets. Only recently in the Mandalorian has it been kind of canonized that yeah. stormtroopers are actually bad shots in the, in, with the jokes that the show. So it, unfortunately, the kind of kind of debunks that theory, but I'd like to think we're still pretty okay shots. What I tell people is, as a joke, the peace-loving Empire doesn't shoot to kill. They only fire warning shots. Okay. Yeah, it's a joke, but... Um, yeah. it, do you, I have another joke, too. Do you ever, do you ever like, if your friend's a sellout, do you ever call him, like, Lando? <laughs> no? No, no not is really. Lando sold out, huh? Yeah, no, no I... I I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Anyone ever dress up like Jabba the Hutt? No. I've, we've had, um, funny you bring that up, we we do have members who jokingly for conventions, I know one in particular who will put on Slave Leia, despite being a male. Get uh, out. Really? Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean and not, and I'm not. You don't have to be politically correct. Yeah. I cool. mean, like, I don't, I mean, cross-dressing, I have nothing against that, not at all, but they do it intentionally for the sake of a joke and okay. they'll walk around and they'll, they know that they're, uh, you know, they're, they'll accentuate their figure, which isn't necessarily congruent with Carrie Fisher's in <laughs> ROTJ, <laughs> if you get what I mean. I get what you mean. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we like to have fun with it. Like Ever since I was 12, I got what you mean. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Boba Fett for conventions, I'm trying to do find um, his costume from Attack of the Clones episode two when he's young. Mm -hmm. um, we have a Jango Fett who is, of course, Boba Fett's father, or clone, really. Um, what about Jawas? Yeah, we have yeah. Jawas. Yeah? Yeah. 
but for Boba Fett, for instance, and Ewoks. Like, yeah, 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 we have Ewoks too, full size. <laughs> I, yeah, they're really, really hot to wear. I can imagine, especially in Florida. Yes, yeah, we had one member in our squad, and they're part of the Rebel Legion, our sister organization that I mentioned. But we we did have one squad member, who's uh, members of both, try and do an Ewok, and she wore it. I think once to a troop, lasted twenty minutes outside, and then never put it on again. Yeah. So, uh, and those are expensive too. Yeah, I can imagine that's not cheap building that one. Well, see, the same thing goes with uh, Wookiees, too. For an Ewok, you have to thread each and every individual hair. So you get basically like a fencing mask type material that's mm-hmm. like a, a very tight mesh, and you thread one hair at a time, tie it behind, thread another hair. I'm not sure exactly how it's done. I've never done a Wookiee, nor will I ever for that reason. Wow. But yeah. it takes probably, I mean, easily years to build one of those things. And then you got to never mind the stilts that you have to put in them. Um, it's, it's quite elaborate. I was just about to touch on the Wookiees. Actually, we have, you do a Wookiee. We have one Wookiee. It's not Chewbacca, but it's a uh, chief Tarful. He's in episode three. He's the Wookiee with Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Um, and that costume looks like an absolute nightmare to wear. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's again, you're on stilts, uh, and visibility horrible again. Cause you know, you're like seven feet tall. It, these these it's probably the most expensive costume in the Rebel Legion in 501st period. I mean, Boa Fett is a pretty expensive costume, but if you hand making the costume isn't as expensive as commissioning it. I know and you said C3PO was expensive too, right? C3PO, yeah, because you got to chrome him. That's then, uh, that's Rebel Legion. I wasn't really including that. That one, yeah, that's expensive yeah, sorry. too. No, no, I, I no, 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 no. Yeah, we're, we're I don't mean to offend anybody here by crossing over into the Rebel Legion. But. No, not no offense at all. Um, although, yeah, we have a healthy rivalry. Um, yeah, but as far as the Legion goes for the costumes, I'd say Boba Fett, Darth Vader. Probably some of the more expensive. Tarful is not. I don't think he's dual. He's only Rebel Legion. He's only Rebel Legion. Yes, yeah. but we, yeah. After you, Either we have a triple zero too, um, which is from Darth Vader comics. It's basically a black version of C three PO, black plated, red eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's pretty expensive. You have um, there is a Wookie. It's also from the Darth Vader comics. Same comics. It's a. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It starts with a K, but it's a black Wookie, and it's a bounty hunter and. Um, that one is just as much as Chewbacca. It's like seven, eight thousand. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it can it can get really expensive. I think our member, the char- Tarful Sonius, is like ten grand because Tarful also wears like a really expensive bandolier. It's like all special. It's it's crazy. Wow. These get up. Yeah, they get up in the really really high uh, price marks. Wow. Yeah. If for anyone interested in joining, I would recommend like an officer as a gateway. Um, what I did was. I start as an officer because once you get in, you can talk to these members firsthand and see, hey, how does the stormtrooper mm-hmm. feel? How does the scout trooper feel? And an officer, my first officer ran me about 500 bucks, which still is it's still a lot of money, but my stormtrooper here was like two grand. Yeah, so, but I mean, if you, you know, how much does it cost to get a custom tailored suit? I mean, it's about that much, if not more. Yeah, yeah. you know, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's worth every dollar. Like yeah. I mentioned earlier, for the, you know, the children hospital visits are great. That's you know, very it, cool. It it you know makes me feel good about my purchase. Yeah, no, no buyer's remorse. No doubt about it. You know, listen, yeah. you guys put a lot of hard work into this, right? And it shows. And you know, your efforts are just you know very admirable. And you know, we appreciate you 
guys coming on today and sharing with us everything about you guys and your organization and um you know laying some star wars knowledge on us which was cool and you know telling us some of your story so give us that information again john will flash it up on the screen how people can contact you if they need it's 501 sure uh so for 501st for event requests you can just go to 501st.com uh we have a, a menu there you should see request an appearance you'll fill out a form someone will be in touch uh, if you're interested in joining or want to contact Everglades Squad directly for some other reason, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram by just searching Everglades Squad. Uh, you can message us there. Um, should be pretty easy to find. All our pages are public. Uh, it's, it'll be filled with Star Wars characters. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, you're welcome to also just email me directly. My email is uh, Everglades Squad. Nope. Take that back. EvergladesSL <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, I always, I check that on my phone daily. So awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much guys. Of course. Yeah, right, you're doing a lot of good in the community, right? We wanted to put a spotlight on that. We appreciate everything you guys do. Keep it going. Right. Thank, right. Thank you. you very much. Thank you, Dennis. And, uh, you good, John? Good. All right. Your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> right. Always do your best and let God do the rest. Um, always, if you're in the market uh, for a new vehicle or truck, Stop by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. They will hook you up. Talk to my man, Dean, um, and tell him I sent you. It's very important, right? They'll hook you up with a good deal. Uh, support our friends at Papa's Raw Bar. Eat, drink, and be local. And don't ever forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we are always connected by water. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming today. Yep. Of course. Thank you for the empire. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.